This episode is brought to you by Challengers Comics and Conversation. Go to challengerscomics.com and start the conversation now. Daniel's Law LLC in Georgia. Visit dlawllc.com. Kerberos Productions. The minds behind the games enter the pit and kaiju a go-go. Search for Kerberos, K-E-R-B-E-R-O-S, on Steam, or go to kerberos-productions.com to check out their growing catalog of titles. This is it! This is definitely it! Still playing with toys and the Ghostbusters interdimensional crossrip present... You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. The Cyclotron, a roundtable discussion panel. I blame myself. So do I. No sense worrying about it now. Why worry? Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. Yep. Let's get ready. Switch me on. The Cyclotron. Today we are talking about Ghostbusters International number four and five from IDW Comics. That's right, we've got two comics for the price of one this week. Joining us this week again, we have Ryan Dole of the Ghostbusters of British Columbia. We've got Matt Provencal. You know him from the Cross the Streams radio podcast. I'm Troy Benjamin. With me as always is Chris Stewart. Let's do it. Let's hop into the Cyclotron. Take him to the Cyclotron. Okay, we're fooling around. Give it a shot. Hey everybody, welcome to the Cyclotron, uh, it's long the overdue. The what? The Cyclotron. What do we do here? This is, uh, remember this thing? It's We used to do round tables, uh, <laughs> but it was before trailers and Ghostbusters days and all sorts of other stuff and they just uh-huh. kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. But hey, this is, this is a good Cyclotron. We've got, uh, as always, you heard him, that's Chris Stewart on the line with us. Uh, calling us from Ottawa, we've got Mr. Matt Provencal again. Good day. Welcome. Good day, Thanks sir. for having me back on the Cyclotron. It's always cool to talk about Ghostbusters and all that jazz and comic books and what else we can have our wallets squeezed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> how, how, how far can you make your dollar go? That's what uh, the trick is going to be here in the next couple of months. But uh, And we're also probably going to be joined by Mr. Ryan Dole of the British uh, Columbia guys, but uh, he's, he's stuck in traffic or he's drinking a beer and forgot or i don't know he's on his way so we might be joined by him as well (laughs) but uh we're here to talk about ghostbusters international number four and number five it's a double header today because we missed number four and you know number five came out before we got to talking about number four or number five god i'm caffeinated (laughs) this week get ready everybody yeah number five came out before number four cyclotron so you know we're we're gonna do both of them this week but uh sweet so uh, I th- I thought let's you know, we we kind of like go through these sequentially. Um, let's start with number four and work our way to number five. But if if conversation bounces us back and forth, we'll just we'll 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 see where the road takes us, guys. But Sweet. Uh, let's let's start with number four. Um, first uh, overall impressions. I mean, we've been waiting for. Uh, what's going to be happening to the Ghostbusters on their international travels here? And uh, number four starts in New York City again. So um, maybe Matt, tell me. You know, we we start with Melanie Ortiz dropping by, and Janine has desperately been wanting some extra help. Um, and we, you know, we do learn that she has hired some extra help. That uh, Kevin, uh, funny enough, Kevin got hired as as. Uh, like an intern, it seems like he's just c- carrying around boxes and and moving stuff around for her. But um, I mean, we're we're in New York City for Ghostbusters International. Um, you know, Matt, what did you think of this conversation between um, Melanie Ortiz and Janine? Did you think that Melanie was there to to step in and help? And then when she said, eh, "I'm actually here to borrow people," <laughs> what was your reaction to that? <laughs> uh, it's pretty. It was pretty. Uh you kind of feel really sympathetic to Janine in all this because ultimately she's left high and dry. She's trying to certify Kevin into get back into, um, you know, Ghostbuster dumb. So he obviously is very, very ill qualified. However, <laughs> out of all this giant stack of resumes that Janine went through, he's the only one that is somewhat capable of doing the job. So uh, you can really feel for, for Janine where, he's she's like 
I've I can't deal with any more grief today. You know, uh, I just trying to get him certified as a backup has been really you know pain in the butt for her. But then obviously finding out that you know uh, she's just there to to take away the staff that she worked so hard to try to yeah. get. She's um, she's having a hard time. So you're definitely you're definitely feeling for Janine in this that. While the guys are at least having some crazy adventures in Europe, Janine's really holding the fort, and you can definitely tell that she'd rather be a part of the action as opposed to, you know, staying behind a desk. So. Yeah, I think the funny thing too is going back and revisiting because I just you know saw the original film for the Fathom Events uh, screening and nice. You know, Jan- Back, but back then, Janine was already asking for more help. You know, you promised me you would hire more help. Uh, and he makes the crack about the food services industry. So Janine, since almost day one, has been begging for help. And here she is, you know, X amount of years later, still asking for that help and not getting it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Kevin, I think it's worth pointing out, Kevin, it was uh, Mr. Michael Tanaka who does all of the awesome, you know, breakdowns on GB fans and on his wiki and on the blog. Uh, Absolutely. That There he is. Uh, he got hired. He's in the background of I think it's page two. I'm pulling it up. Yeah, page two. He's in the background carrying the firehouse toy from the UK. <laughs> and, you know, it's good good for him, man. Um, but, you know, co- coincidental that the new help's name is Kevin. I, I thought that was fun. Is this sort of like another way to sort of tie these universes together? Did you did you guys get that feeling too? Yeah, like I, I, I immediately actually didn't clue into Kevin until thinking about it a little bit more. I'm like, wait a second. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, duh. Of course. Yeah, wait Character a minute. In the reboot. Wait a minute. That makes sense. So you can tell that there is some sort of effort to make both universes kind of tie into each other because you're we're not going to ignore the um, uh, the reboot storyline. We're going to try to infuse as much fun things that we at least know about uh, before the movie comes out into. Uh, the Ghostbuster universe in some way or the other. So it's cool to see these little nods and Easter eggs. And that's one of the things that I'm always been drawn to the comic because you don't know on each panel, there's always, always some sort of Easter egg that's either pointing to another eighties movie or pointing to another reference to any of the uh, universes within Ghostbusters. So everything is on, on the table. So it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, those guys, I mean, again, they they do their best to tie everything together, even with all of the little Easter eggs in the back, uh, both their ongoing Easter eggs and all of the Easter eggs that tie into, like, real Ghostbusters. And, you know, like, uh, Hasty, Hasty Pastries shows up in one of those panels back there. and um, Pequod's is and back. Pe- yeah, Pequod's is back. Um, I still but, love that Venkman's uh, saucer lamp keeps showing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and again, I, I think it's Dan's fault, but, you know, watching the movie on the big screen at, at Fathom, I'm looking at the background. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's the little gargoyle. OK, that's cool. And OK, the wise potato chips, they're in the same position that Dan always draws them. And, uh, you know, the, the attention to detail that they put in every one of those, uh, it it shows when you get to see the frame huge in the movie as well. But uh, um, so. All right. So meanwhile, back in France, we, we catch up with the guys and uh, some some infantrymen are. Oh, hey. We've got uh, we've got Mr. Ryan Dole to join us here. Hang on one Sweet. second. We're gonna, gonna loop him in here. Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hello. Whoa. Kind wow. of. Sorry. Not sorry. I had it. My head. It was nine o'clock. Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Uh, it sounds more like a, a really Feedback. loud buzzing. Yeah, like you've Almost got an like electric a... current going through your mic or something. We will return to our regularly scheduled program momentarily. Please stay tuned. Dang it, I'm like, dang it, every goddamn week. It was fine last time, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, it was. Yeah, last week it was, it was mint. We expect to resume normal broadcasting shortly. Sure to stay tuned for Jeopardy. Uh, so we were just talking about. We just got through uh, New York City. We were talking about Melanie coming and talking to uh, Janine, and Janine thinking that you know she was going to get more help, but unfortunately M- Melanie is there to steal some people away. Uh, we learn later to take them to Puerto Rico, but uh, we were getting into France, where we pick up with the guys uh, battling the infantrymen throwing cars. Um, so you know this. 
what I thought about was interesting about this particular sequence was Ray turning into the voice of the Ghostbusters. You know, that all of the people have gathered around because they're seeing these cars being chucked. They're all taking pictures. Uh, and and Ray is immediately sort of the, the idolized person who's over there dealing with the kids and signing the autographs. Uh, a little bit of a role reversal because I would figure that would be Venkman, right? Well, that's usually the case. He's usually the first one to meet the crowd, not do any work. And uh, then use his, you know, his charisma to talk his way out of being like, I'm not being lazy. I'm working the crowd, making sure everyone's safe. <laughs> it's also for his ego. It's like, it's also for his ego. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He loves working the crowd. Uh, and I think maybe he's a little jealous that he and Winston are having to take up all of the work while Ray is, you know, over there, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting to meet the fans, meeting the adoring public. But uh but so, uh, what, what were you guys' impressions here? Because this is where we start to see some of the bureaucracy holding the guys up, um, and especially because they're working outside of the jurisdiction of where they were allowed to be fighting. Um, you know, how are these guys faring in international waters? Well, I think they seem to be faring so far, but I guess everywhere you go, there's going to be a peck. And uh, everyone, every country's going to have its own rules on the situation as well. So it's, it makes a lot of sense. I'm digging it. I like the fact that they just can't go in anywhere and do whatever they want. You always need someone to give you a speed bump or keep you in line. Otherwise, these guys will just really do whatever they want. And they tend to get away with doing whatever they want anyway. So yeah. I guess really in the end, it doesn't matter. Even though they get arrested everywhere they go too, it seems. No matter yeah. where they go, they always end up in jail or whatever the equivalent of jail is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're always in holding. Yeah, so let's let's talk. There's there's some new gear that we start to see in in issue four. Um, but well, before we get into that, Ray looks into the trap and we see the disorientation that's caused from that. Um, is this the first time that that's happened? Do you guys do you recall anybody actually having the seeing the stars and not being able to <laughs> to get their bearings uh, happen to anybody previously? No, I I think this is one of the one of the only panels that I've seen where they actually react ah my eyes you know like usually it's just like kind of like a little quick joke in in the first movie uh and people just deal with it like i mean i'm pretty sure there were some episodes of real ghostbusters where it feels like you're getting having a, a seizure <laughs> just from watching the flashing <laughs> on tv so you can only imagine what it was like trying to actually catch those ghosts and put them into traps and staring directly at it uh so yeah, this is the first acknowledgement i've ever seen of of somebody reacting because uh, i guess you really see that over the length of time the ghostbusters really have refined their skills knowing not to look at the trap or giving heads up to each other uh to yeah. say hey we got a trap coming uh but it looks like obviously uh peter jumped the gun and didn't give uh, ray enough advance warning and so yeah he, uh, he got right in the face <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm I'm surprised, especially yeah, like you mentioned in real Ghostbusters, all the running and gunning that they're doing and they're twirling traps above their heads like lassos and and stuff like that. I'm surprised this is the first time that this has actually happened. Uh, that it it really hit me and struck me that God, I don't think I've ever seen what happens to you if you look at the trap, except for the joke in the first movie. Wasn't that the crux know? of uh, Hank Braxton's fan film? Oh, was it oh, really? Right. Yes, uh, Return of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, Hank Braxton's uh, sequel to. Freddy versus Freddy Ghostbusters. Versus Ghostbusters yeah. I love those movies. Those, God, I um, don't remember that. Oh man, yeah, it, the, it's one of the plot points in the the Return of the Ghostbusters, where uh, somebody is using a trap to actually capture people's souls. Souls. Uh, yeah. yeah. So if you stare at it too too long enough, it can actually draw your your soul essence. And so the uh, the antagonist was using a stolen Ghostbuster trap to to collect these souls and stuff. So. Oh, that's interesting. Well, knowing knowing Eric and Dan, I wonder, do you think this is a nod to that then? I, I just interpreted it as he was sort of like snow blinded uh, by, you know, the, the brilliant light. But I wonder if, if be like that momentary lapse in judgment that he looked into the trap, if that if that's a nod to uh, Return of the Ghostbusters. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to definitely ask Dan yeah, we'll have to ask that, Dan. or Eric. That's I, I, always, I always assumed that they were, because they were loosely techno babbly basing their ghost trapping and storage on hmm. lasers i'm doing the air quotes <laughs> lasers so my assumption was that it was just a protect your eyes thing like don't look directly in the trap because it's lasers yeah, right don't yeah. don't shine the laser in your eyes for sort the reasons like, that they're all wearing the sunglasses in ghostbusters 2 in that jewelry store that yeah that whole don't, thing 
don't, don't, or just the same way, you know, somebody's welding, don't stare at it. Yeah. Bad for the eyes. For the Not longest time. The picture taken. Yeah, for the longest time in Ghostbusters 2, because it happens so fast in the montage, because obviously it's another butcher deleted sequence. Um, I legit just thought that Peter brought in some Ray-Bans into the store just so he can mack on the chick. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with safety precaution. That's what I totally thought for the longest time. And then going like, oh, wait, they're all wearing sunglasses uh, before the uh, laser grid comes on and all the crystal wear gets shattered in the in the store. So. When I saw that as a kid for the first time, I had no idea what was going on in that, that scene. Yeah, that montage is just like, whatever. And if you're watching it <laughs> on VHS, pan and scan, you don't even know. It's just lights. And all you're listening to is the Run DMC track, in that, yeah. to be honest. So that's all I cared about. <laughs> what oh, what and, was it? It yeah. was in the novelization, wasn't it? What They had to get the ghosts out of the crystals or something? Where, that's right. Yeah, yeah they're, they're inside the crystals. And Egon or Ray came up with the idea of coming up with some sort of new laser grid that can help would draw those things out without harming the items that uh um that were uh possessed but that clearly did not that happen didn't work yeah exactly that's yeah that's funny uh I, I remember seeing that too and and like okay that was cool i don't know what just happened maybe they were <laughs> um, but, uh so let's let's talk about easter eggs because uh, Chris, especially knowing one of your favorite episodes, the Ghostbusters in Paris, there's a few nods in here to that. But uh, what 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 stood out to you guys in terms of Easter eggs? As soon as we get back to France here, uh, so, well, they're the tainted love pack, uh, Egon sporting that, I think. But that's later on. Yeah, so I think here. Where are we? Where are like we here, going? here because the the one that Mr. Michael T called out was the car's license plate number. Again, I don't know how he knew this off the top of his head. Maybe he he just is really good with photographic numbers or something, but the license plate number of the car is the Griswold's license plate <laughs> and European, European vacation. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's the car that's, that they rent. I think. Yeah. I think that's, that the, that's the car that they get. Well, the, all the, the spectators all look like people that we should know. <laughs> yeah. Like is the, um, the guy that, um, the, the French guy that, uh, Ray pushes out of the way. Is that Kevin Klein from French kiss? Cause that's what <laughs> yeah, I thought. The guy that he pushes out of the way. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, maybe. Which, which would be a very obscure reference because I think I only saw that movie once 15 With the years mustache, ago. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, got it. it. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but. It's just like, it's like, that looks like Kevin Klein to me, or it looks like Kevin Klein from uh, Fish Called Wanda or something yeah. like that. So I, I don't know. I just thought that's who it was. And the poor guy just paid off his car, even if it isn't Kevin Klein. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Um, and then, yeah, the people that you were talking about, Ryan, that we should recognize, uh, a few of them are actually people from Ghostbusters in Paris, right? I think like the one, let's see, it's on page, it's it's past the Kevin Klein guy, and it's past right. Ray talking to the to the crowd. There's a couple people in the crowd, like there's a family behind Ray that looks a little too specific. Yeah, yeah. Like the dad with the son on his shoulder and then Oh the, right, yeah. Running the, uh the mom running with the baby. to frame right. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that's wearing the apron. Yeah. And then even over his left over his right shoulder, the guy in the green like beret and sweater as well. But uh yeah, that's funny. So so yeah, I mean, uh what else? I mean, Ghostbusters in Paris, there's a couple of nods later in the the issue here to the uh the Eiffel Tower being used as a containment unit, right? Yep. Yeah, and that, then, that was actually pretty cool. Deliberate reference to the the cartoon. Yeah, uh, and I think that was that was pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of like visual gags that that are kind of called back to uh, real Ghostbusters. Um, but I, I I think you know the big one that kind of comes up on the next page is the Olympia restaurant. That's that's the one that everybody was talking about. So when we go back to the Bronx, oh, yeah. Uh, we catch up with Egon and Kylie. They're out having to do everything on their own. And Egon is probably still, you know, only at 70% of his strength. And, uh, and they're, they're fighting the Olympia restaurant guys. Cheeseburger, 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 cheeseburger. Like we found another, we found another way to get uh, John Belushi character into the IDW comics. Uh, awesome. But, uh, yeah, and the cheeps, 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 that was pretty good. So th- at this point, Mel is trying to get Egon to join her to a flight to Puerto Rico um, Egon is kind of hesitant cause he can't do the research that he's working on for the Scandinavian spell book. Um, but meanwhile, they've got, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character going into the cash register and spitting coins at them. And, 
uh, you know, maybe asking for a uh, Coke. They don't have Coke. They only have Pepsi, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, another Saturday Night Live reference. Um, very, very cool. Then we get into back in Paris, Kaya talking to Wait. the cops. Wait, hang on, we gotta take oh. a step back. Okay. Oh, that's from both of us. Okay, you go ahead first, Chris. I'm still trying to figure out why Egon has a Charlie Chaplin cane. Did I miss something? Well, yeah, this is his still from hurt. his leg. Yeah, his leg wound at the beginning of of GBI. Charlie Chaplin canes bend. That's the world's most useless cane. <laughs> why does he have it? And why is he not like he? Why is he holding? It's all wrong. <laughs> it's, all it's all wrong. wrong. <laughs> Better send that email, Chris. It's all no, wrong. No, Dan, I don't have to. Dan listens to the episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Dan, all right, I Dan, don't get it, Dan? Why? Well, actually, if if it's a reference, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But yeah. I also know in real life, those are useless canes. But I was I was expecting. Uh, I think Ryan, you had the prophecy that he was going to have like a proton thrower cane at one point. I was expecting that to pop up here. You know where. Uh, they get the upper hand because he's spitting the coins at him, and then he's able to like pull out the the cane and do something. But instead, he's using those arm throwers that uh, Kylie had. Uh, un- unfortunately, I wish that was what ended up happening. But uh, what else, Ryan? You said you had something. What, what were you going to talk about? Well, what also kind of re- reminds me of because they're all green, and because it's a diner, it could be a throwback to you can't do this on television, where things would always get slimed, and they had that. It was always a green slime. Now, I get that a lot of people aren't going to know what that is, what the show I'm talking about is. It is a Canadian no. show. Well, no, because it, it oh, aired yeah. all over uh, Nickelodeon in the States. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, on it, really? it, is, yeah. it is super well known in the States. Yeah, oh, I had no well idea. Known. I thought it was like Littlest Hobo and stuff. No. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, it's the same guy that um, did uh, Hilarious House of Frightenstein. The same ha, producer. Ha. And right, same producer. Whereas yeah. Hilarious House of Frightenstein, I don't know if it ever went stateside, but he ended up Nickelodeon footed the bill for you can't do that on television. And that and yeah, that, that was shot shot yeah. in Ontario. Lots of school kids shot in Ontario. Uh, Alanis yeah. Morissette. But um, the the weird part is that's kind of where Nickelodeon started its run of shows where kids get covered in slime. Like it started there. Yeah, it's awesome. Regardless, it just it's that's Canadian what I don't know. thing. It's what I kind of thought of when I yeah. first saw that, saw the panel with all them in green and then the diner. And I was like, oh man, yeah. this is bringing back memories. You heard it, you heard it here first, Dan. We need, uh, we need Barf's Diner. We need <laughs> that's Barf's Diner. I was yeah. going to say, does a pretty mean barf. If uh... <laughs> He does. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, no, that, uh, you can't do that on television was shot in, uh, in Ottawa at CTV Ottawa and that building has burned to the ground. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and uh, Bell Media has fired everybody. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Canadian television is not doing so high. Uh, after 43 years, uh, they fired everyone on the morning news. <laughs> oh, that's right. Our, they, uh, our morning replaced, show, yeah. our nationwide our morning, new morning show, show yeah. is gone. Our new morning yeah, it's all gone. After 43 years of being on TV, our new morning show is now Entertainment Tonight Canada edition, pretty much. In the it's morning? Ghetto. In the morning, yes. Uh, we have we have hosts um, um, that ran Canadian Idol, the American Idol spinoff, wow. uh, that uh, are now hosting morning news. Uh, so Sounds whatever. like L.A. Sounds like L.A. to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's getting there. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'm it, Ottawa. You know, obviously been here for quite some time. Uh, we take a lot of pride in knowing that can't do this on television was shot here. So maybe yeah, <laughs> maybe Dan uh, reach out to us. Let us know if that was a a nod, uh, a, a very deliberate color choice. It seems, but uh, cool. So yeah, okay. So so we move on past the Olympia restaurant. We get into the. Uh, a little bit of motivations here. We're starting to figure out what Kaya and Vinter have up their sleeves because, you know, Kaya is trying to uh, capture that relic, which she refers to as the legend. Um, right. But, uh, <laughs> I love that she can't uh, decipher Ray's numbering system of the traps, which, uh, you know, very dangerous. If nobody else can understand what those numbers are and they open up a trap and it ends up being this ridiculous specter that she lets loose, which ends up being the case, it seems. Um, but uh, so, okay, so... 
why do you guys think, why are they looking for this relic? I mean, did they know that the relic was there and, and Ray just happened to fall into that basement and find it? Did they, did they count on the Ghostbusters finding and tracking that down? I'm still trying to piece together what, what Kaya and Vinter are after here. I'm actually now at a complete loss at what they're going after and what this is all going to lead to. Like, and I think that's also a good thing too, because it's kind of like she's at a point where she's going to use a trap as a weapon yeah to find this thing which means yeah things are going to start getting aggressive and a little mean so it has me wondering what is so important with this piece of cloth that they need it so badly so and and interest after it's destroyed vinter just sort of shrugs it off he's like ah no matter but it seems so important in, in in the scheme of things you know what? Uh, what what are they after? That oh well, if if this doesn't happen, we'll figure something else out. It didn't seem that that dire. It's yeah. It just seems that like, even though it keeps being referenced as the legend, it's probably acts as some. It was probably some sort of maybe instruction or a note, uh, or some sort of key that that leads or or opens up something. But if it's destroyed and it's like yeah, no worries, we, we'll just find it the harder way. There's probably obviously some sort of other trick that um, will use something far more ancient or modern. Because uh, again, Venters, he's a pretty smart dude. He's like the a cross between an evil Elon Musk and uh, and um, Virgin Airlines guy. Uh, sorry, I can't think right now. <laughs> uh, Richard, <laughs> you know Richard, Richard, Richard Branson. Branson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, the biggest billionaire yeah, on the planet. Guy. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, Virgin Airlines guy. The <laughs> guy's trying to put celebrities into space, and hopefully they stay up there. But th- I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it looks like that um, this was just going to maybe make the um, the trip a little bit easier for them. But I think Venter already had a backup plan, and he was just hoping that things would be done sooner than later. But, um, you know, they're going to they're going to lead to something else, maybe something a more modern approach or maybe there is another artifact that they can use to to get yeah. what they need. Well, and we've so we've kind of skipped ahead. That's a little bit in that's issue five that we learn yes. all of that. But uh, but it, but at any rate. So, yeah. So Kaya lets these ghosts out trying to find the relic. And unfortunately, she lets out two of them that are the mean, nasty ones that they uh, just trapped uh, <laughs> when they were in, uh, you know, they finally got their their guys. They trapped them, and then they get them back. And Kyle lets them out, pain in the ass. But uh, so so at any rate, um, you know they have to track them down, and they track them down using this pocket sized PKE meter. Have you, have we seen this before? Is this something that popped up in IDW, or was this in in real Ghostbusters? That the one that Ray holds up, and he goes, "It's a good thing I had this pocket sized PKE meter," and it kind of looks like um like a Giga meter like PKE hybrid. Have you guys seen that before? It's a first for know. me. First for you? Yeah. I, th- I thought maybe that was a callback to something. But uh, if not, it's a cool piece of, of tech. I kind of want to build one. It also doesn't look very uh, pocket-sized, to be honest. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like the size of a shoe. Bigger bigger than uh, bigger than his hand. Uh, it's about the same size as a PKA meter. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> good thing he had it on him. But uh, So at any rate, so they, they use that to... Uh, to try to track down the guys, but before they can do that, the president calls, and then Peter's got that great sort of ours, yours, other, uh, because we're in trouble with a few of them. Um, and uh, they find out that the Louvre is bleeding slime, and that's the big, uh, you know, cliffhanger between four and five. Luckily, dun, dun, dun. we're here to talk about number five too. Well, can we, can <laughs> cool. we just back up a bit? Yeah, let's back when up. When we when we switch back to uh, just after uh, Kaya hits the trap, what's on the TV? I've switched over to to digital. I just haven't looked at this one yet. But there's something on the TV. On oh, when the, Kaya hits the trap, when she hits the guy in the head with the trap. No, no. When she's like uh, looking at them and they're all marked, and she goes, you know, eeny meeny miny mo, and uh, opens the trap. It then flips back to Peter Ray and Winston oh, waiting oh, oh. around in the waiting room. And I can't quite see. I'm old. It's uh, it's Keith. It's, it's like somebody a, in a... Yeah, it, I'm zooming in. It looks like it's somebody like in a prison of like of teeth, teeth or whatever. And like a tongue behind him. It's reminiscent yeah. of something, but I can't... I'm old. Oh. Oh, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, I don't... And, and that guy looks very... 
He looks kind of real Ghostbustersy, so that's that's got to be somebody or something. <laughs> when in doubt, it's from real Ghostbusters. It's from real it's Ghostbusters. Just a question. <laughs> yeah. Of which yeah. One. Exactly. Which one and where? Yeah. Oh, and then on the following page, um, when the two ghosts are released and they're flying around the the police station, uh, bottom left corner, I believe, is Peter Sellers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a that's yeah, a solid so. uh, good one there. Yeah, that's a Clouseau, Inspector Clouseau. Well, and that's that's the second Clouseau uh, reference that they make because later in issue five they call him Clouseau, don't they? Like good, good move, Clouseau, or uh, when they're leading right. through the catacombs. Makes me makes me wonder if the female officer is supposed to be somebody we recognize. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, Dan's great at at you know adding. <laughs> it's a testament to Dan's ability that. He can either caricature people and we know who they are, but they also don't always stand out from his de rigueur style. <laughs> yeah. They're not all Peter Falks that we can recognize right off the bat. Yeah. Um, uh, but funny, uh, on the next uh, page on the, the file cabinet, we get our number 15. There's there's the hidden number 15. Um, but uh, yeah, past that, we get into our, our to be continued. So let's, let's chat about number wait, five. Wait, there's one more Easter egg. There is. What do we got? So when you go, you got the filing cabinets, Peter's sitting there twirling the, the pencil. When you see all three of the guys on the second last panel, there's a dude on the phone, like the professor guy. Yeah. And on the computer screen, there is something. Yeah. What is it, smart guy? Oh, my God. I don't know because <laughs> it's, it's, I don't it's, have the digital copy. It's the, it's the Commodore 64 uh, version of Stay Ghostbusters. <laughs> it's the Stay Puffed. It's that uh, last where you have to sneak under Stay Puff's uh, feet in order to get into the temple. This guy's playing Ghostbusters. He didn't <laughs> think we noticed, but I noticed. <laughs> That's coming, coming soon to the third Avengers film instead of Galaga. They're playing Ghostbusters. That'd be, that'd be fun. Uh, any anybody Sony else? Any Sears. other? Are, are there people in that crowd in front of the Louvre that we uh, have to? <laughs> right, up, right above the two be continue the two. Uh, little, well, they look like little old ladies. Seem vaguely familiar too, but I can't. Yeah, the white haired old lady. I can't put my finger on it. Well, particularly the one next to her, the the shorter one with the hat. But yeah, I'm sh- I mean, this is. This is why uh, I wanted to get Michael Tanaka on the show because he he sits and catalogs all of these in some way somehow figures out who everybody is. Maybe he talks to Dan, talks to Eric, and he probably cheats. He probably cheats. But uh, someday, Michael, we're gonna have you on, and you're gonna school us. You're gonna be like, oh come on, guys, that's you know blah blah blah. blah. But I could send uh, Dan Shoning a hundred bucks a month to get all the answers. <laughs> but that's gonna I cut. Wanna. Chris is gonna yes. cut into your Sony money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did that, nice. did that sound uh, d- uh, dismissive enough? <laughs> Just a, not enough. No, I, I wish it were more. Um, all right. Well, you guys feel like moving on to number five? Yes. Ghostbusters right. yeah. on Titan. Let's on uh, let's do this. The Louvre. The Louvre. Okay, so back, back right where we left off with them. Uh, they're under the catacombs of the Louvre. Uh, real, real life, uh, that these catacombs exist, right? That's a big, uh, urban yep. legend that there's uh, a lot nope. of hidden things underneath. Not no? an urban legend. Paris is riddled with catacombs. So it is, it is for real. It is for oh, serious. Yeah. For serious. And they uh, actually, his warning, like where he used to do it steady and he knows it well, but you know, that there people aren't supposed to be down there. That is for real. They actually supposedly people like a, couple of year or something like that because there are people that are like i love it this it's the same as like people who go i'm sure we lose a couple of people a year rock climbing a couple of year of uh, people parachuting <laughs> this falls into the same category of, uh, of extreme and risky behavior and they're like <laughs> i'm gonna go down to the catacombs and they never come out again so, so. It's, it's safe to say that these cataphiles are a real thing then right that there are people that are studying these and trying to map them out and uh, kind of know them inside and out um, interesting, but, uh, all right. So, so the police Lieutenant are speaking of cataphile, our police Lieutenant is leading the guys through the, the catacombs. Uh, Ray is using a real ghostbusters PKE meter. Um, I, I'm assuming that that was left behind after get real, or maybe they traded tech secrets and Ray enjoyed that tech of the PKE meter more than the one they were using. I don't know. Pretty funny that he ended up having that in his hands. How many um, is he carrying around at any given time? Honestly. 
Well, he's only carrying one trap, which is a joke in the previous issue. So maybe he makes up for the traps that they're carrying with PKE meters. Um, but uh, and so you know we're we're kind of getting an idea here that they're trying to avoid slime, which really reminded me of of the video game. You know, you're trying to avoid the black slime. They're trying to avoid the the red slime uh, tracking them down. Um, and they come across this this artifact, and it's covered in the slime, and I guess that sort of negates the purpose of trying to avoid the slime, but there you go. Uh, but I'd, I'd like to stop and, and, and quiz the crowd if everybody uh, is the same page as me. Does the uh, police officer remind you of uh, uh, Jean Reno? That's who I assumed he was trying to model yes. him after. Yes. Yeah, like... Um, like Circa the professional. the professional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Or the character, the sub-character from um, um, Godzilla, but that he would make him a little bit, a lot older. Uh, so yeah, this is a little bit closer to the professional Jean Reno. Okay, uh, so it's not just me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think it's it's all in the mustaches here. Like, if that's if that's Jean <laughs> Reno, that's that's the mustache. If it's Kevin Klein, that's the mustache. So you know, maybe that's that's our clue. Um, maybe maybe it's because we only know two French actors. <laughs> I'm waiting for Gerard Depardieu in the next panel. That's what I'm looking for. I, that's it. That's all I know. That's unfair. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's well, unfair. Well, how many, how many more French actors do you know? Uh, how many am I allowed to call what's-his-name? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Damn it. So what you're saying is there's more Asian male actors than French male actors in Hollywood. Got it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes. Yeah. Or that we recall or remember. <laughs> now we're well, English washing our characters. No, but they're French actors. None of them Correct. want to leave France. Oh, got right. it. Yeah, there's there. that too. <laughs> None of them want to go to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheap. Uh, if any of the uh, if any of the France Ghostbusters are listening to this, please give us a list of more actors that we should be more more well versed in. <laughs> and I, I apologize am interested. on behalf of Chris for his terrible accent. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here come the all cap sternly worded emails. I'm ready for it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so yeah, let's let's move on. So we get back to New York City, and here's Egon to lay everything out for us. Um, but before he does. Here are a million Easter eggs, uh, starting from the top all the way down. We've got Pizzalicious chips. Uh, all of the and here's I I had no idea if you zoom in on the whiteboard, all of the Scandinavian uh, words and phrases and symbols. These are all highly researched. You know this is this is Eric and Dan just showing off again, um, trying to make us all look <laughs> not quite as smart. Um, and again, I don't know how Michael Tanaka on GB fans knows all of these things, but he, there is a complete dossier of what all of these symbols on his whiteboard mean. Um, but, uh, let's see. So I, I had, I wrote them down, um, because I thought all of the research was very cool. It's all things that reference like power and courage and, um, they're also like little, um, like references to Icelandic folk folklore. And again, things that took a lot of research for just one panel in the comic book and the number 15, of course, pops into there as well. So, uh, it's, it's like lost, you know, when the chalkboard shows up and you go, Oh my God, what does it all mean? Here's one of these whiteboards that you have to figure out what everything means. Um, but uh, so, guys, we we get a little bit of exposition here from Egon. We're we're hearing that uh, wait, somebody. Wait, wait, wait! That's it for the Easter eggs. Well, I mean, just on this page, right? There was the oh no, there's something on the TV up there. There's again, something right? on the TV. Yeah, it looks it looks like an NES game. And like, um, um, the the popular with university students uh, uh, Einstein poster. Uh, Einstein with his Einstein tongue hanging out. being Egon's uh, dream guest, his favorite dream in the. That's yeah, that's right. In and your Mr. favorite Sam. episodes, Troy. <laughs> my favorite. Hey, look, Twinkies. There's Twinkies on the table yep, too. Twinkies on the table. Um, but uh, yeah, and I don't because I think lot it's of one of those Japanese up. pens with the light it up. Is. Ends. It's a Japanese Ghostbuster pen. Japanese Ghostbuster pens. It is the ones right that the oh, wow. you deserve and I should have. Throwing uh, so it in there. Shots fired. Bitter. Shots fired. Bitter. Oh, I'm having a mantrum. Can it, somebody hold Chris back? Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. They're the ones who I got two of I'll them. What do back I care? I'll take his pen. <laughs> oh, he's, I got two of them. Yeah, I know. Oh, I got awesome. a spare. I could go inside right now, snap one in half, and still be okay. 
That's funny. And he's he's gonna do it just to spite you. Watch. Yeah, I deserve the spite. Keep it up, Dole. Chris. <laughs> yeah. Chris is acting like a total one percenter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only got two pens, so I'm a fifty-fifty-er. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So, so Egon has found, or he believes that somebody has found the Rauskina. Rauskina. How do you guys think that's pronounced? I have no idea. Oh Ra- God! Don't even ask. R a u o s k i n n a. Rauskina. Rauskina. Yeah. Rauskina. It's Scandinavian, so when when in doubt, just say it really angrily. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, but so it's it's a it's a rune that's capable of of controlling the devil. Um, I, again, now wondering if that was the the legend that everybody was looking for. That you know maybe Venter and Kaya were searching for this so that they could control the devil himself. Um, maybe. Although it does tie back to your last question of why they needed the Ghostbusters, because he says right there, I developed the PKE meter to find this stuff. Yeah, this is like the origins of the Ghostbusters here, right? That Egon, his yeah. his fascination began with this search for the Rauskina Rauskina or whatever it is. Uh, so it, there's some suggestion that they, well, I mean, they already we know they have dossiers on the Ghostbusters and stuff like that, so there's kind of a suggestion that the reason they're going through this elaborate thing is the Ghostbusters are the only game in town that can actually track this stuff down. Hmm. Unwittingly, of course, but... So so he needed... That makes sense now because Vinter initially just wanted to purchase the equipment then. So Exactly. He, he just wanted to buy them outright, which yeah. would give him the PKE meter. So he would know, but instead he ended up getting them, and so he had to put on, he had to put on this facade that he was buying the island. Aha! Aha, it's all coming together now. But what, I mean, but it also, I mean, it still doesn't give you Vinter's motivations. I mean, other than having the ultimate power of controlling the devil. Um, and it, it does not Save something for the third act. Holy cow, bud. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, buddy. All right. Well, all right. We'll save Calm something. Calm down, eh? Uh, let's, let's get into the Louvre because the, there, there's a lot of stuff that happens inside there. Um, again, more uh, Ghostbusters in Paris references because this is where that Eiffel Tower uh, containment unit reference drops in. Um, the Mona Lisa joke. Uh, Peter stops to make sure that the Mona Lisa is still in there. Is that is that a a reference to the Mona Lisa having been stolen, or is that b a reference to Vigo the Carpathian? Maybe the Mona Lisa is a haunted painting. I don't. I I interpreted it both ways. I wasn't sure what you guys thought of that. I did too. <laughs> yeah, it's same thing. I thought it was more of a GB two kind of kind of thought because they obviously have dealt with you know haunted paintings in the past. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, this is a uh, this is what I think th- the ending of GB two could have been like leading up to this. Like if if uh, Vigo was the final boss fight, like. What about leading up to Vigo? Like, what if the entire museum had been yeah. had been haunted? You know what I mean? I, I, so this is what's kind of cool about this issue. I will say this. They're, again, very good at their research because the Mona Lisa actually is removed from viewing like she is there. Um, uh, when I got to see her, she was in the cabinet like you see her in. The, the railing wasn't there, but given the crush in the crowd when I was there, it doesn't surprise me that they may have a railing around it now. So, again, she's not just hanging in the wall like movies do. She's she's uh, protected. Protected, and maybe even a, a fake. Maybe that's not even the real one behind there. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking is he was checking to see if she was still there, if it was the real one, or I don't know. But, How would uh, he know? Yeah, exactly. And he why would he our, care? Art degree. Why, why would Peter care? Um, but uh, so at any rate, so they're they're wandering through the actual exhibit uh, hall of the museum here, and all of a sudden, all right, um, three Canadians who can only name two French actors. Uh, how do <laughs> how do we pronounce this? Jean Le Cho Le uh, You got. Oh wait, wait for it. Le Jean. Oh, wait. Le Corsure. I got, the, I got the name. Wait, Le listen Corsure. to the guy from Ontario. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Le Crochon. <laughs> yeah. Le Crochon. And is this, okay, so an assassin for French royalty, is this something rooted in, in fact? Is that, I, I would imagine so, because everything is in these issues, right? Right. Um, I would, I don't know. You guys don't know. I haven't looked it up. I'm sure Michael has. I'm sure Michael has written a dissertation on, on But this all. ghost looks a little attack on Titan, does it not? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Very. And I'm totally down with that. Which is okay, yeah, it's... I want it, this action figure... Mattel, where's my where's my, where's my action figure? Yeah, where are all of the the Ghostbusters from IDW action figures? That's what I want right? to know. If IDW Ninja oh, Turtles man. can get a video game, 
there is no excuse why Ghostbusters IDW can't get anything. If if, if we had like a vinyl idols of the IDW uh, comic book, that would be pretty sick. Yep. Yes, throwing it out there. Yes. Uh, so so at any rate, our our trusty uh, our lieutenant uses a ghost taser and really riles uh, this this wicked ghost up. Um, the taser reminded me of something that we haven't had a chance to talk about on the cyclotron yet because you know it happened before we started doing these. Um, but it, it sort of calls back to Tia and, and Winston's love and, and everybody forgetting, uh, the past and, and not recollecting their romance and their wedding and all of the things that happened. Um, are there, are there shades here of people starting to remember? Are, do you guys think that these hints and clues might be leading back to a reuniting of, of these two characters? I don't see why not. I could see them trying to build that right back up again. I mean, it was it was a clever reset button for them. I'm wondering if if they did that on purpose, but uh, you know, to to the extent that it was going to start weighing uh, a lot of the characters down, there were going to be different relationships that they wouldn't have time to explore. So if they hit that reset button, then it was a lot a lot easier to keep all of the characters together. But it'd be nice to go back to that. I I feel, and especially because of how sad that was. You know, we get to see Winston. Uh, you know, reach the pinnacle of of marriage and finding love, and he's got his doctorate, and uh, and then it, it all gets erased, and it's just it's so sad. So so seeing, I don't know, I, when I saw this ghost taser pop out, I thought, oh my god, wait, there are still there's there's hope, there's there's a chance that these two characters can get back together, that maybe the memory can be restored. Okay, I'm gonna flip us back a little bit here, but if uh, Jean Lecrocheur is uh, real, he's a bloody deep cut from history. You're not, um, not finding anything on him? No, there's a listing in the, the Assassin's Creed wikia <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> about uh, Johannes Metzger, a German who was also known as Jean Lecrocheur to his fellow Parisians, was a German butcher living in Paris. Now, whether or not they're now referencing... I'm assuming they both uh, pulled them pulled them from history. The trick is, is uh, yeah, he's not an easy one to Google up. So huh. either, under either name... Wait, he was a butcher? Yeah, he was a German butcher living in um, in Paris, well, that according to what how he looks. Yeah. But, uh, so for yeah. the moment, I'm, I'm going to give them the, 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 the benefit of the doubt that they actually... Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and that, it explains that, why his weapon looks like a meat tenderizer. That's right. It does. <laughs> also, we missed... Uh, what was up with Anubis? We missed Anubis in the, uh, the Louvre before uh, he shows up. Oh, and was that another real Ghostbusters reference that I yeah, missed? Yeah, the, the Anubis that's uh, standing off to the side there. Yeah, or is that from the game? Did we do? Did, did we run into Egyptian stuff in the game? I can't uh, remember. I think you know, I, Civil War, and yeah. it was like, what was it South American? Yeah, kind of stuff. I don't think there was and, Egyptian. Yeah, but Anubis think, oh. Anubis was in the cartoons, wasn't it? At least I oh it was in uh, it was in Extreme Ghostbusters. Oh, it, it was Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah, that might have been it. Um and then I'm sure let's they've got the uh the three masters paintings in the background. I think that's what those are so, supposed to be, but they're too they're they're blurred out so as to avoid any uh unwanted phone yeah. calls. <laughs> uh, but I don't yeah, I don't see anything else in those in those panels, but um, but yeah, it, I mean that's a good point. So you know he animates the statue of David, uh, and and here the poor lieutenant who was tasked with them not breaking anything, he's watching them destroy <laughs> all of these priceless works of art uh, because they have you know been possessed and are animated and attacking them. Makes a lot of sense, but poor guy's gonna lose his job because he wasn't able to keep everything intact. Um, we didn't talk enough about the ghost taser, by the way. I think that's pretty cool. The ghost teaser is, yeah, I mean, that that popped up, if I remember right, Ray had given that to Tia to protect her, right? Like, that was that was before they got married. And and that's, uh, you know, Ray kind of alludes to, he says, I, I developed it and I'm not entirely sure why. He kind of, I'm trying to find the panel where he says that when he hands it to the guy. Because that right there is just, it, it alludes to everybody not remembering her. 
Uh, it was before they ran into Anubis, like the page before. Mm-hmm. Oh, here right we go. Yeah. It's, it's a personal defense prototype that Egon and I put together, though I'm having trouble remembering why. I think it as a taser, but for think of it as a taser, but for ghosts. It's purely defensive, but and then he trails off. But yeah, so they developed it, and he's having trouble remembering why, but it was a gift for her. and Or maybe, was it even a wedding gift? God, I need to go back through my hardcover again. But yeah, yeah. I, I do recall that. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the, the design of it is is fantastic. Um, again, just like that pocket-sized, but not pocket-sized PKE meter. Um, I'd, I'd like to know IDW's uh, policy on um, artistic nudity because uh, they had no problem with the Venus de Milo's... Um, uh, girlfriends, but uh, Statue of <laughs> David's uh, teeny weenus, nothing. Yeah, they, no, we, no, David. Yeah. Oh, come on! You know how things work in pop culture. <laughs> Boobs are fine. Never a penis. Penises are not cool, ever. He's got a hilarious one though. <laughs> it's teensy. <laughs> it's teensy. Well, then uh, draw one in yourself. But uh, so speaking of that page, uh, Mona Lisa animated is pretty terrifying as well. Like yeah, her possessed face is pretty ridiculous and scary. The ghost arms kind of freak me out, too. Yeah. On the Venus de Milo. But, uh, oh, you know when uh, when David... No, I was going to say. When they when they destroy the David statue, you do see it, but you don't see it. It's broken away. It's gone. Nope. No weakness. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm 13. I'm zooming in to see if you can see it, and you can't. <laughs> I'm 13. I'm just seeing how many times I can say weenus before the episode's weenus. over. Weenus. <laughs> so, uh, you do know so that... Go ahead. I was just going to say, you do know that Dan, when he was doing these panels, was like, I have to creatively hide his crotch in every shot. How do I do it? And you know what? He did a pretty good job. So, uh, speaking of uh, Easter eggs, when they break the, da- the David statue, Peter mentions that he knows somebody in art restoration. Uh, good, good nice little nod to there to somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so anyway, so we get to the end here, uh, and you know they realize that they uh, that the, the the relic has started molding with uh, our big bad, um, turning him. Where they're actually witnessing the the increasing in strength of a ghost. Uh, they're witnessing him becoming a higher spectral class. They say, um, but uh, it <laughs> totally totally not. Uh, uh, effective uh, proton streams can't do anything uh jean renault comes out shoots the relic destroys it and then this is where we get back to what we were talking about here where where chris said that i skipped to the third act and i did but <laughs> so uh we, we talked about it before but after that relic is destroyed kaya reports back saying that it was Vinter says no matter um but uh you know we knew that this would be difficult and that's why we involved the ghostbusters so it seems like even though they wanted the equipment, they did want the Ghostbusters involved. Is it because they're putting their lives on the line? If if they're lost, uh, no big deal. We'll find somebody else. Maybe it's also to shift um, blame. Like if I think Vinter knows what's going to happen if they release something because of this artifact or because of this legend. And if the Ghostbusters live through it, then they'll get blamed for it. But if they die, then they also get blamed for it posthumously and Venter can clean up the damage so it could be a reason why he says on the last panel we went to such lengths to ensure the Ghostbusters involvement he needs yeah. he needs the Ghostbusters so he can keep them in the public eye and that's why he's got them all over Europe not only to find this but to make sure that the world knows who these people are yeah so it's shifting the blame a little bit yeah, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah I'm with Matt on that one well, so guys, it sounds like they're going to be taking a little break from from the main storyline here and and shifting in issue six to Puerto Rico, and we'll finally see why Melanie was there to uh, take back some some backup. But uh, any any thoughts as to you know speculation as to what we're going to see in Puerto Rico? There we're talking about uh, teenage kids going in on dares, trying to uh, do whatever this is and disappear. Are we going to get a, a good one off uh, horror film here? Like a slasher film, like a uh, like a Jason. Yeah, yeah, like the, it's it's a summer camp uh, for <laughs> in Puerto Rico, and these guys are going to have to f- uh, face off with something reminiscent of a, a Jason. Yeah, that would be really cool. As long as it's teenagers getting frisky and then disappearing, I'm all for it. It's it's interesting. Why do you think they would take a break? Because with the serialized nature of what they're doing with uh, Ghostbusters International, uh, they're sort of dividing the teams up here. Why do you think that they would do that so that we're following... Peter, or I'm sorry, we're following Egon with uh, Melanie and Kylie. 
Just to break it up a bit. I mean, it's yeah, pretty intense. Yeah, and to stretch out it, the storyline. Also, when when's the expected release of issue six? Oh, uh, I mean, this summer. Yeah, July. So, yeah, just just in time for no. summer barbecues, right? Or no, six well, six will be coming out month. in like six will be coming out in like two. Oh no, you're weeks right. It's, it's right. Yeah, it's the end so of it's June. So the end again. of June. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the yeah, yeah which is the still the beginning of summer. So that would be like you're going into July issue. Yeah. So hey, that that makes sense. Go just. Uh, Usually when the summer slasher films come out, uh, here's a Ghostbusters International uh, issue that sort of follows suit. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, or another theory is because the reboot's coming out in two weeks, they'd be pretty awesome if the first issue that casual comic book fans browse is one featuring Melanie on the cover. Uh, backing that theory is the the reissue of the real Ghostbusters trade paperback with the new cover. Aha. Uh, Which is feature, sexy. Feature, yeah, very sexy. And featuring the new team. So, again, it's a good theory that just in time for the new movie, IDW is going to put at least two items on the shelf. Three, because somebody else mentioned that there's a dollar one, but that's out now, I guess. Hmm. You're but, are you, uh, you're talking about the trade the trade paperbacks that have the sort of like Megan Fox uh, versions of the characters <laughs> that 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 one yeah the the photo real one yeah because that's how they would look in real life Troy yeah, I know well yeah exactly <laughs> I they would look like Megan Fox everybody looks like Megan Fox in real life right that's right uh, including I look me like Megan yes. Fox. yeah you yeah. look like Megan Fox we all look Ryan like Megan does Fox. look like Megan Fox. <laughs> I am Megan I've Fox. Seen your, I've seen your selfies. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's not a face. <laughs> Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, go, go stoppers. stoppers. I'm sorry, we'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You too. And Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call in line is 4702 GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. So guys, let's uh, let's go around the room. Let's let's talk about uh, some closing thoughts here in terms of four and five, and and oh, maybe even our overall impressions. Now that we're a good, you know, four or five issues into this uh, series, we've we've talked in the past about how much we were digging it. But uh, how are you guys feeling now that we've got five twenty-two page issues behind us? Wow, my oh well, I I I think it's awesome. I'm I'm really just digging where this book is going because it it tells you kind of like we said like near the end of it. Like, we're still here, we're five issues in, and we're still speculating like crazy. And I think that's awesome to have, because if you're still speculating and you still want to talk about it, you still want to see where it's going, that's a pretty good sign that uh, they're on the right track of, you know, keeping keeping people on their toes. Yeah, and, and once they once we do kind of have a telegraphed version of where we think it's going, they, you know, throw a curveball at us and they redirect us too, which is which is really nice. And maybe that's part of what's happening with this one-off issue if if that's what it is in issue 6 is it's going to redivert us somewhere else and going to knock us off of our game a little bit. But uh, Yeah, it's well like Roddy Piper once said, once you think you have all the answers, he changes the question. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> I want to watch it. Uh, Matt, yes, how about you? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like I think remember from remembering from our last conversation with issue uh, issue three, uh, we were talking about um, how we were really excited to see what the the new team would go, and then of course you're you're thinking about okay, is this is this going to be another just more of a, a focus on recruitment, and is this going to be just some stereotypical visits with um, each european country but now it's it what was really cool is i got really surprised with issue five on how they handled the louvre and um i really feel like this is that was a really great concept of having everything in the museum kind of become haunted and come to life and fight the people but then also they're you know 
it goes back to the Ghostbusters with their um, uh, senseless regard of, of of protecting anything of value uh, when it comes to anything that's expensive or priceless. Uh, it's all about the mission at hand, and so having priceless artifacts that, of course, are infamous and priceless uh, get haunted, but then they're completely destroyed. Uh, really, really, uh, it hits home to even from the very first movie. Uh, where they completely destroy that ballroom. Uh, so it, yeah. it comes right back to um, almost like it feels like a sequence in, in Ghostbusters 2 or even a video game where you have all these like mini boss fights before you get to the big guy. I feel like that could have been something that may have been exercised or maybe was thought about uh, within ILM during Ghostbusters 2 of having more artifacts come to life leading up to Vigo, but we all know how much time and money they had to make Ghostbusters 2 happen for June of 89. So, um, yeah, no, it's just been... The book's really been surprising me. Um, I love seeing the Easter eggs. Like, I'm always frantic in, in getting a physical copy and a digital copy so I can really zoom in on the panels and appreciate the amount of detail. So that's, what, uh, that's what's hooking me in. And so... Uh, and you get a little bit of history lesson, you know? It's not always about United States. Beyond yeah, exactly. It's, these are real things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and maybe uh, maybe Dan and Eric were a little frustrated by the uh, the cherubs in the Ghostbusters video game and wanted to destroy some <laughs> priceless statues uh, <laughs> to, to get back. That's at them a something bit. they need to bring into the the comics. Is oh, the, uh, the tether slime? The t- oh yeah, the tether yes. slime. Yeah. Um, that have we seen? We haven't seen a game pack in any of the IDW comics, have we? Nope. Just on rookie. Just on rookie, rookie he's wearing one. Yeah, he's yeah. had it before. Yeah. Oh man. Um, well, Chris, how about you? I mean, I know uh, when when you heard that they were going to France, you said they better mention Ghostbusters in Paris, and sure enough, uh, many many a reference. But uh, how Very about you? Happy. How are you feeling here? No, uh, pretty good. I like the um, and Matt kind of touched on this. Matt Matt touched it. I did. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt fondled it a bit. That's all right. We're thirteen still. Um, <laughs> Uh, that the comic's been running for this long now, and up to this point, it's all touched back on. Even though we had like the, uh, what's his name, crazy jaw, tongue, spiky blue guy. He's in the game too, the board game. Um, oh, the the yes. Um, I forget his name now. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, spike spiky head. But you had blue tongue guy. Yeah. There, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. They um, everything, everything up to that uh, until they went to international, all touched back on the movies one way or another, tied back into Vigo. A lot of tying back in not Vigo, sorry, t- tying back into Gozer especially. Yeah, and all that. This one so far standing alone, completely standing alone. That wherever we're heading towards, they've created. Like I said, the uh, the Egon referencing pre-movie stuff. Yeah. They've created a new, you know what I mean? Like everything, even the video game went and will touch back on Gozer and there's Vigo sitting. Like everything kind of self-references it's the, the villainous and the, the powers back to the movies. This one, they've cut it loose, which is what I really like. Yeah, yeah. I um, feel like that. that's what I enjoyed the most about it too is we're getting a little bit of pre- um, you know, uh, Columbia University, Egon Spangler, and and getting a little bit of the origins as to why in the first place he became interested in the paranormal and why he wanted to develop this equipment and, um, you know, Egon's yeah. like geocaching but with ghosts. You know, he's trying to find this, <laughs> trying to find this relic. Um, yeah, to it, me that's strangely it's changing the 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 powerhouse the um, behind the Ghostbusters from Ray over to Egon because always everybody always looks at it sort of like the from the you know Ray's really passionate about the occult and ghosts and he's the one that powers them along and more and more the story is kind of building in that it's about Egon and his uh, well it's uh, to go back to the role playing game uh, Soul of Science is his is his uh, is his drive Soul of Science yeah but but the, the the knowledge that when uh, he found out how dangerous what he was looking for was, uh, you know, he he knew to leave well enough alone, which was also interesting too. That he he gave up that search for it, but until... rediverted his until 
until now? No, until he found a, 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 a couple of buddies that could to, could wander back in with him. Yeah, and yeah, and could turn it into an entrepreneurial uh, venture. <laughs> All kind of happens to make some money. Yeah. All kind of happenstance. Yeah. This goes back to our previous discussion about the codependency of the the three main characters. Yes, that's true. Without each other. Um, but uh, all right, well, guys, uh, thanks so much for for coming by, Ryan. We're really glad that you were able to uh, to pop in. Uh, it wasn't the same without you. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't going to say anything, but we we missed you, buddy. We wished we wished you were here and. I'm glad you were able to get here. So, uh, Matt, thanks for staying I, up I super late. late. Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't that late. <laughs> no, yeah, you weren't that late. It was fine. But uh, you know, we 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 wanted people to live on suspense <laughs> that you weren't going to show up, and we're like, will he show up? Won't he? But then we Tune you weren't to find out. You weren't late, except for the bit where we all said, "Should we just start without him?" <laughs> yeah, sure. So, other than that, you're right. You weren't late at all. <laughs> Or hardly at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, Matt, yeah, thanks thanks for staying up late. I know it's late your time, and we, we always love your thoughts and comments on awesome. the Cyclotron. So thanks thanks for joining us, man. No, man. Chris, yeah, it's a- thank you as always, buddy. Glad, glad to have you on every single show. And, no uh, problem, yeah. mate. We've got uh, we've got we've got another issue coming out in the next two weeks, so we're going to start scheduling it now, <laughs> so that we make sure that we don't delay it again. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on the Cyclotron. See you on the other side. Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at protoncharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. They used to be one of my two favorite shows. You're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Fastmaster. Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.